Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. One verse right here. Only one in this chapter. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. A strange verse. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. It doesn't say that it's impossible. But it does say it's almost impossible. It's harder to be one to win an offended brother over than it says a strong city. You may be able to apprehend a strong city easier than to win over an offended brother. And it says their contentions, the issues, the issues that divide are like the bars of a castle. So I don't know if it's talking about that there's many of them or that they're hard to penetrate or that they're hard to get through. But it says that it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult situation, almost impossible to win over an offended brother. I want to talk to you this morning about offending others and getting offended. Now, I'd much rather preach on grace, and you'd probably much rather hear it. Maybe the Lord will bless us to obtain some grace. First of all, I want to tell you what it's not talking about. It's not talking about taking the scriptures and encouraging a brother or sister from a godly perspective with God's word. It's not talking about taking God's word and sharing it with the right spirit at the right time in the right way to give direction on the right course. But what it is talking about is being offended when there shouldn't be an offense. Or being offended when maybe we were in the flesh. Or maybe we were in the wrong spirit. In being offended when an offense could have been avoided. Now, Satan likes, and Satan's the author of it. Satan is the author of, author of contention. And Satan likes an offense to happen and then let it sit there for years and years. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't get better. But if you leave it alone, it gets worse. Satan doesn't like it. 
when an offense happens and you address it early on. And, 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 and I want to talk about addressing it because it's super important that we do it in the right way. And God's word gives us instruction clearly on how to do it. Now, when he says right here, a brother, he's not necessarily talking about a natural brother. It could be, but it could be a sister or it could be a brother and sister in the church. It could be a family member. It could be somebody that you work with. It could be somebody that you associate with. So it's not only talking about a, a, a spiritual brother in the church or a natural brother. It could be a sister. And I'll share an experience with you, personal experience after a while. A couple of them. Maybe that's why I'm so impressed to speak on this is because I need this more than anybody else. Last week, I offended someone. And, and when I did it, I knew it. I received a phone call, and by the way, it's not somebody from Maryland. They were from down south. And when they called, they asked me something to do that, that I was already had a full plate, already had a full schedule, already maxed out, and they wanted me to do something that I knew that I couldn't do unless I changed a whole lot of things. And I didn't want to go into all the explanation of my parents' doctor's appointments, the church meetings, and all these different things. And so when I was asked, I didn't do what I've instructed you to do. I didn't take a deep breath and think about it first before I answered. I didn't pray about it and ask the Lord to direct my words. Sometimes, and I encourage you to do this because it does make a difference for me. I didn't take a walk around the building or the house that I was in and think about it before I responded. But when my hot button was pushed, anybody here have a hot button? I'm so glad to know I'm not the only ones. I know some of you, and I, 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 I know some of you have some hot buttons too. Well, when my hot button's pushed, I'm trying in my old age to learn to take a deep breath, to pray about it, to walk around the building and ask God to direct my speech and my response. <coughs> well, I didn't do it. And I responded quickly. And I responded harshly. And as soon as I did... I felt condemned. Now, if you offend somebody, it's a blessing if you feel condemned about it. And so for the first day, I tried to justify it in my own mind. And I told of all the reasons that I was justified. Talking to myself. Anybody ever talk to yourself? Especially when we're trying to justify it. I tried to justify it. And then by the second day, all those scriptures begin to kick in. And all those practical lessons begin to kick in. And all of a sudden, I realized that I was not going to have any peace until I resolved that offense that I'd made. I began to think about what Brother Sonny Powell said. 
the gospel according to Sonny Piles. Somebody came up to Brother Sonny one day and said, Brother Sonny, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? And they told him what, what they'd said, and, and Brother Sonny thought about it a minute, and he pondered it a minute, and he said, you know, he said, I ran what they told me through a filter of about 25 years of good experiences with that individual. And I thought if this individual says this one thing about me or thinks this, even if it's true, if I run it through about 25 years of good experiences, it makes it pretty small. Well, that came to mind and I realized that I'd had over 40 years of good experiences with this individual. And when I ran it through 40 years of experiences, I realized that it's pretty small. I was reminded of another verse that says that uh, we're supposed to take our gift in Matthew chapter 5 and, and, and lay it at the altar. And if we've been offended or someone offends us, if we can possibly correct it, we need to go do that and lay our gift at the altar until we resolve it. I'll tell you what I think that means. I think it simply means that our ministry, that our gift, it, it doesn't necessarily tie only to preaching. It could, and certainly a preacher ought to address it in this way. But I believe that it means that our ministry will be uh, impacted negatively if we're harboring and we're carrying it with us. And we're best off to resolve it. So after about the second day, do you know, I got to the point that I couldn't wait to make that phone call and apologize to this individual that I felt like that I had offended. And when I called and I started the conversation and I said, I've, I've been knowing you for over 40 years. And I said, uh, when you, when you, when you, uh, when you uh, contacted me, I uh, I, was, I had a full plate, I had a full schedule, I, I was stressed, and I said, but that's no excuse for the way I responded, and I apologize. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All this time, I thought I'd offended him, and he said I hadn't. So it may be that maybe you hadn't, but sometimes we do know when we have. And I still feel like it was the right thing to do if I felt like that I had offended him. If it had been put on my heart that I'd offended him. Now, I, I may have offended you all. It's very likely it's a possibility through the 27 years that I've been here that, that I probably have. But I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't offend you knowingly. And if I do offend you, I'll do my best to apologize and make it right. Because I, I don't believe we have, with the limited amount of time and mental space that we have, we need to resolve it and move on. If we possibly can. Now sometimes you can't. There are some folks that they just go around with their feelings on their shoulders. They look for ways to be offended. They look for opportunities to be offended. And then they carry it with them. They offend and they, 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 they get to the point that they, they, they know I, I'm supposed to be offended. But I don't. It's been so long, I don't even know why I'm offended or, or, or what I'm offended about, but I know I'm supposed to be offended. And so that's a mentality that we get in. 
Did you know that the Christians are called to a greater accountability than that? We ought to be different than the world. We should. Well, I have to tell you, when I talk to the, this individual and I apologize, I'm telling you, this, this burden, and if you've ever carried it, you know what I'm talking about. It was lifted from me. That burden was a lot lighter at the time. And it was lifted. And it was a relief. And I thought, I am so thankful that God has designed an outlet for us when we do offend. Now, it tells us, let's go over to... Now, if, if I had... Let me just toss this out there. It says, an offended brother is harder to be one than the strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Did you know that the best time to correct an offense is early on? Because if there's an offense and it takes place and it continues to brew and build up over time, it is hard to overcome. It is hard to win the brother or the sister. And it says, and the contentions are like the bars of a castle. They grow and they get bigger and they, they get more rooted and they get more grounded and you just almost can't overcome it. doesn't say you can't, but it says you almost can't. It says it's harder to be one than a strong city. Now, let's go over to Matthew chapter 18. I, I'm going to just hit on this. Um, this is so good. Matthew chapter 18, it's, it's really, really good. Um, Brother Gus Harder pastored the church in Bethany, uh, Bethany Primitive Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, for 25 years. And he said the whole time that I was there, he said God blessed us to uh, worship together in unity. We never had one season that we uh, were uh, uh, at odds with each other over that 25 years. And I said, how did you do it? And he said, about once a year or twice a year, I preached on Matthew chapter 18. All right, let's look at a few verses here in Matthew chapter 18. At the same time, the disciples came unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Now, of all things, if you get a clear view of self, which the disciples did not have at this time, they would not have been asking, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? That'd be like Brother Steve and Brother Asa and Brother Chuck and Brother Andy, and Brother Mark, and Brother Steve, and all of us getting up and saying, well, you, you pick. Which one, of you, which one of you do you think is the greatest in the church? I mean, that's about how silly it would be. And do you know how did Christ resolve that? Jimmy John Mathen, stand up. Now, he did, Christ didn't have twins present there, but since we do, we're going to ask them both to stand up for just a second. Christ called one of the little children up. And he said, if you want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom, you look at one of the little children over here. And he said, that's the greatest in the kingdom. 
It's not you disciples that have been marching the road with me, that have witnessed the miracles, that have been involved in performing miracles. It's not the disciples that have witnessed changed lives, but it's little children. And he gives us an example right here, and there's a lot of examples and lessons that we can learn from little children. Little children, when they come to the church, when they come to the Lord's house, they don't come with 30 and 40 and 50 years of baggage. They don't carry in their satchels a lot of non-forgiveness along the way. They don't carry a lot of bitterness along the way. They don't uh, carry a a lot of non-forgiveness. But when they come to the house of the Lord, they come as humble, little, innocent children. Now, we know they're not completely innocent. They look like they are. But (laughs) the reason we know that they're not is because if you chase their lineage back, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And because of that, That's the reason that offenses come. Now, I'd like to blame my offenses on Adam or Eve. But did you know that I can't blame it on God? I can't blame it on Adam. I can't blame it on Eve. I have to blame it on myself. And if I offend, I'm the one, by God's grace that needs to correct it. And you are as well. Now we like to say, I'm justified in my offense. Well, in Colossians we're taught that we're able to forgive others not because they're deserving, not because they're worthy, but based on Jesus Christ forgiving us, we forgive others. You can harbor it and you can carry it with you and it'll eat on you like bitterness and it'll be written all the way across your face and you'll carry it with you to your grave and you will make a miserable old person if you don't deal with it as soon as you can. All right, let's let's go through. This is a wonderful chapter. We've got about... 15 minutes, and it's a great chapter here. I want to encourage you to go home and read it if you possibly can. As I mentioned, some folks are easily offended. Others are not. Brother Gus Harder said, you'd have to work really hard to offend me. Because he says, I'm not easily offended. That's the way we ought to desire to be. In fact, I remember Matthew chapter 5 verse 25 says, agree with thine adversary quickly. There's some folks that you may try to address that are unreasonable. Elder Compton gave such great wisdom and counsel. He said that he met someone that was all stirred up and worked up and he said, When somebody's like that, you can't get a word in edgewise. And he said, and you're better off not to even try. Elder Compton, who ran a clock store and took care of the clocks in the Capitol White House, who's now with the Lord, he said, when somebody's wound up and you can't get a word in edgewise, he said, just sit there and let them run completely down. 
just like an eight-day clock. Anybody here know what an eight-day clock is? You wind it up, and it's supposed to last eight days, and you wind it up every seven days. He said, let, her, let, it, let, let them run completely down like an eight-day clock. And he says, then you can talk to them. And he said, then you can have a good conversation. But there's some folks, you just got to let them completely unwind. I've known folks like that. And did you know it works? It does. You let them just run completely down. And then you can have a reasonable conversation. Well, it says that except you become converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of God. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. And then he gives us a really stern and strong warning right here. But he says, but whosoever, whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, he says, it were better that a millstone were hanged about him, about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. He says, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must be, needs be, that offenses come. But he says, but woe by that man to whom the offense cometh. He basically says right here, and it's not only talking about little children. Certainly it is. It could be those that are young in the faith. It could be those that are young in Christ. It could be those that are young in the doctrine or young in the church or young in the practice. It's not necessarily talking about a little child by age, although it is talking about that. He basically says we should go to whatever extent that we possibly can not to offend. It ought to be our greatest desire to look for the outlet to not offend. Now I'll tell you, it, it helps me when somebody pushes my hot button. I don't have a whole lot of hot buttons that I know of, but, but I, I do have some. But it helps a whole lot if I just don't respond right then. When I respond right then, I almost always regret what I said. Or if nothing else, I might, I might in my own mind say, well, at least I know I'm right about it. But Brother Harder reminded me one time. He said, listen, you may be right about your position and wrong about your approach. You see, it's very likely because I know myself that Self might get in the picture. And self could mess up the whole thing. So it's really important that we not only say the right thing, but we do it in the right spirit. And I'll tell you what, in order to do that, you know what it takes? It takes God's grace. It takes God's help. It does. Now, it says right here, it says, But woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must be, needs be that offenses come. I, I, I want to I, I just comment on that. I, it, it, it basically says that in this world in which we live in, that there's going to be offenses. There is. But he says, you try your best not to be the one that offenses come from. Why are there offenses? Because of our sinful condition. Some of us may have a little bit of Irish blood in us. 
That even adds to it a little bit. But all of us have a nature that it offends sometimes or is easily offended. He comes down and he says, we're better off if we, says if our hand, it says, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But he says, and he gives us a really strong warning right here. He says, there's going to be offenses. But he says, woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. So if we are a party to that offense, he's giving us a strong warning right here. He says, there's going to be offenses in the world. But he says, you should do your very best that you possibly can to avoid offenses when that's at all possible. He comes down and he says, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee. I mean, he gets really, really graphic here. He says, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut it off. Well, you know what? I think I'd probably try to deal with I'd try I'd try to not offend if it meant I was going to lose my hand or my foot that's how serious that he's talking about right here he says if your hand or your foot offend thee cut it off and he says it's better for thee to enter halt enter life halt or maim or rather than have two hands or two feet uh, and then he says and to be cast into everlasting fire I'm going to leave that one for you to figure out and if thine eye offend thee he says it's better to pluck it out and cast it uh, off from thee it's better for thee to enter into life uh, than, than for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire. And then he says in verse 10, Take heed that you despise not these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of the Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save that which is lost. And then he comes down and gives the example of someone that is offended. He says, How think ye that if a man have a hundred sheep and 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 one of them go astray and doth not leave the ninety and ninety, goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray. He says, But if he find it, he says, Verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of the sheep, that one sheep, than the ninety and nine which went not astray. And he says, Even so is not even so it is not the will of the father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish and then i'm just going to paraphrase it right here he says if thy brother trespass against thee go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone and he shall hear thee and thou hast gained thy brother now there's three steps right here he says if thy brother has trespassed against thee it could be that either you've offended someone else or you have been offended and if that's the case first of all let me say this if you've been offended if you possibly can live with it and you can write it off as long suffering I believe you're better off doing that I don't believe that we should go around with our feelings on our shoulder all the time and be offended at every little thing. Just because the thermostat wasn't set just right, we got offended. Or something minor. If it's something that we can possibly deal with ourselves, take it to the Lord 
and ask the Lord to help them and then go on. But don't go around trying to fix everything. I learned a long time ago. God didn't call me to fix everything. He didn't call me to fix all your problems. I can't even fix all my problems. But I know somebody that can. And the same person that helps me with my problems can help you with your problems. And I'll tell you something else. You may say, well, Brother Stephen, you just don't know both sides of the story. Well, do you know what? It's not for me to know that. But you know who does? The Lord. The Lord knows both sides. And I want to tell you something else. We're oftentimes so quick to judge. But did you know that a lot of times we have no idea about the upbringing of an individual? We have no idea about the family life of an individual. We have no idea about what individual struggles that they may have dealt with in their life, in, in, in their early years. We may not be aware of all that. And so we ought to exercise long-suffering and compassion when it's at all possible to do. He says, if it be possible, live peaceably with the brethren. If it's at all possible to do it, that's what we ought to do. But when we've been blatantly offended, he says something right here. He says, when we've been offended, you don't get on Facebook and tell others about it. You don't get on the telephone and tell others about it. When you've been offended or you've offended somebody else, if you pick up the phone, you go, and, and I'll tell you, for me, it's better if, um, if, if, if it's at all possible to, to go to that individual in person. I, I'd much prefer to do that than to uh, talk on the telephone. But when it's a southern state like Mississippi or Missouri or Arkansas, you sometimes have to resort to a telephone like, like I did this last week. And God bless the outcome of that. I'm very thankful for it. But if you possibly can, it says right here, he says, you go to that brother or to that sister, you go to them individually and you talk to that individual. Maybe a brother or sister in the church. Maybe a brother and sister in the family. Maybe a parent or a child or somebody that we work with. But he said, you go to that individual and you talk to that individual personally. And, and let me just tell you, as we go, before you go, I want to toss this out right now. Uh, I, I've learned a few things after living so many years. There's a few things I've learned. Before you go, pray about it before you go. You pray for the individual you're going to talk to, but more importantly, you pray about yourself. You pray that you won't say the wrong thing, say it the wrong way, but that you'll go in the right spirit, the right time, and you pray that God works on both sides at the same time, that God will get there before you do, and it's amazing how that you begin to uh, maybe confess your sins about it, and it's amazing how that God who has all power by his grace can break those bars down. And what a great blessing that it is. Now let me just toss this out. Don't you think that we're going to all live in heaven together? I mean, really. We're going to be spending eternity getting along with each other. Be really good to practice it right here. Really would. 
God will bless you for it. He will. He'll bless you. And you may say, well, Brother Stephen, you don't know, but I've gone to that individual and I've talked to him. And, 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 and I didn't get the response that I thought I was going to get. They didn't respond. It gives us two other examples right here, but I want to I just toss this out. Did you know that there's some cases, in fact, there's many cases, that once you've done what you could do, then you give it to the Lord. But now let me tell you, when you give it to the Lord, it doesn't mean that you just take your trash list and dump it on the Lord. Say, now Lord, you fix it and you clean it up for me. It means when you give it to the Lord, you talk to the Lord about it and say, Lord, if there's something else that I ought to be doing, would you show it to me? I want to be right with you, Lord. And if there's something else I can do, would you show me what it is? Now, he mentions three things right here, and I'm not going to go into each one of these individually in detail, but I, he mentions three things right here. He says, if you go to a brother and you talk to the brother or sister or parent or child, and he says, and if he hears you, he says, thou hast gained a brother. Did you know that when we go, we've got instruction right here that the purpose of our going should be to gain a brother. That ought to be the motive of our going and the desire of our going is that we would gain the brother. It should not be this. Well, I'm going down the checklist and I've checked the first one here and I can't wait to check the next one and then the third one They're going to get zapped because I'm taking it to the church. That's not what it is. It's to go and and attempt and desire to gain the brother. And then he says, if the brother will not hear thee, he says, then take two or three with you. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it to the church. And if the church neglect to hear thee, then he shall be as a heathen or a publican. But I want to ask you, and you can ponder this yourself. It doesn't tell us how much time goes in between each one of these steps. Between step one and step two, it might take years. And I'll also mention this. I think this is why it says... Take two or three. There's some folks that they'll hear somebody else may be better than they'll hear you. I've experienced that. There is a brother that I love dearly, and I would help them, not here at this church, but it's a brother that I would help, and I'd do anything that I could for. And he has had struggles. But this individual, I knew of another minister that had more of an influence with this brother than I did. And I knew it early on. And when I knew about the problem, I was happy to help arrange this brother to minister to the young man that had a tremendous need. Not everybody's helped by my ministry. 
I'm amazed that anybody is. I, really. It's only by God's grace because I know myself. And if it helps anybody, then it's only by God's amazing grace. But it doesn't offend me. It doesn't hurt my feelings one bit in the world. When there's another minister that can help another person and get through to them when I can't get through to them for one reason or another. I'm thankful for the ministers and those that help one another. Well, I just want to toss out a few more verses. Uh, Proverbs 6 verse 16 says there's six things the Lord hates, a seven are an abomination. And it says that seventh thing is he that soweth discord among the brethren. First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse 10 talks about the church at Corinth. And he said, I've heard that there's some dissension and discord among you. And he said, there ought not to be, you ought to be in one accord. You ought to be in unity. Romans chapter 16 says, mark them, which cause uh, dissension, uh, discord. And he says, and avoid them. If you've tried to labor with somebody, you've tried to help somebody. God did not call me to fix all the things in other people's lives. He's called me to direct others to the Lord who can fix them. And I'm thankful for that. But whether it be the Primitive Baptist, whether it be churches across the, the country as a whole, God called me to preach the truth in love and in the Lord's spirit. And the Lord takes care of those that I don't have the ability to. That's not my responsibility. I'll share with you a personal experience. Let's see, 43 years ago, I was baptized. And it was a special, special day. It was a cold January morning in West Texas. But in the building, it was so pleasant and so warm. And we felt the presence of the Lord. My baptism had been delayed for several weeks because when I offered myself for baptism and I went home and I told my parents, they were not receptive to me being baptized and they thought that I was doing it just because of my grandparents. Now I'm thankful for my grandparents and they were a great blessing in my life and I'll always be thankful for them. But my grandparents weren't there when I went before the church to be baptized. And so my parents put it off for several weeks and the burden or desire did not go away. And so they finally, after several weeks, gave in and said, okay, you can be baptized. I was 15 years old. I just learned a little bit about the doctrines of grace, which were super special to me. I just learned a little bit about the sovereignty of God and I was delighting and rejoicing in the truth because I'd never heard it before. And in that three or four month period that I'd been attending, I grew to love a people that had problems and struggles just like I did. I began to find that I had a church family I knew that I'd been looking for something for years, and I didn't even know what it was until I found it. 
And I found that I had this wonderful, wonderful church family. And all those things were a great blessing that I'll take the rest of my life. But after the baptism, we stood up in the front. And folks begin to come around and give the right hand of fellowship. And a lady came through the handshake and she said she was three or four years my senior. I was 15, she was maybe 20 at the time. She came through the handshake and she said, you don't know me, but I'm your cousin. I was shocked. I didn't know her. And so afterwards we talked and she said, when your name was announced that you were going to be baptized, she said, I recognized your father sitting over on the other side. And she said, we grew up as little kids together, playing. But because there were two family members that had gotten at odds with each other, our side of the family and their side of the family, I didn't even know that they existed. So about... Two weeks later, I called her up on the phone. And I said, could I come over and I just want to get to meet you. And here, these are two sides of the family that had not really had interaction. Didn't even know that they existed. Because of something that had happened 25 years before. So we sat and talked and realized that we had the same great-grandmother. I had memories of her. She had memories so we begin to build on that connection. We also had the connection of the church. She was raised primitive Baptist. I'd been taken off and on with my grandparents and had that connection. We begin to establish a relationship. And I'm blessed with a lot of cousins. And I love all my cousins, but this is my favorite cousin. She's got three kids, and now they have kids. And we have a wonderful time together when we get together. And I think of her as much as a sister as I do a cousin because of that relationship. So in addition to my baptism, that was a special, special blessing. But on to take it a step further. I wanted to meet her mother. And so she made the arrangement for me to go and meet her mother. And did you know that her mother wasn't this bad person that I thought that, that I'd heard about? She was pleasant. And she was nice. And by the way, she was a primitive Baptist. And when I first made my efforts at preaching in my early 20s, my cousin and her mother were always there encouraging me on and I had family members that that was not the case but they were there to help and encourage me on and through the years God blessed my cousin and I to then reunite the two sisters that had been at odds with each other and in tracing it back it was a small small thing but yet Satan took a small thing 
and he built it up over 25 years. And as a result, many of our family members missed 25 years of good experience. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me and my family. If it finds a lodging place with anybody here, then you give the Lord the credit for it. I'm not, I'm just sharing my experience and I thought probably I'm not the only one that's experienced it. But Satan's desire is to destroy years of sweet fellowship and sweet relationship in the church. Let me tell you this. If you have a brother or sister in the church, that's an added blessing. It is. That's an added blessing. Well, ought to be like Brother Harder. I'd take a whole lot before I'll get offended. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 10.30 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.